0: Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. So Monday is the first segment of the show. We we do the old hodgepodge. We throw out like, I don't know, like five or six stories, but they all, I don't, there's no rhyme or reason behind it, but then they always all come together, whether the, like the, that moment at the end of it or throughout the, the, the day's show or throughout the week. And today was no different. Uh, so that was the first segment, but I want to play for you here the second segment where we uh, did our uh, recap on the president of the University of Pennsylvania getting Fired, sort of. She didn't get. She got. She's no longer president, but she's still a uh, law professor at the university. So you can still, for seventy thousand dollars a year, your child can still. I don't know what the law school costs, uh, but they can still go to this university with her. And of course, everyone there is like her, and that's the main point to be made. Here it is. <laughs> The president of UPenn has uh, resigned. (laughs) Whatever. Fired. So it's pretty good. Of course, there was that congressional testimony where she and the president of Harvard and MIT. I wonder why just those three? Why not all the Ivy Leagues? MIT is not Ivy League. But why not all the... Why not more? Why just those? Anyway, they wouldn't say that uh, students calling for the genocide of Jews violated their harassment policy, <laughs> harassment policy. Good, try that at your work today. Walk in, be like, hey, everyone. you should murder all the Jews. I don't have any preference about how. Gun, gas, whatever. Just they should all be dead. And see if your HR department has anything to say about that. So there are all these donors at UPenn, including one guy who took back a $100 million donation. One seventh of Shota O'Shaughnessy's. is that is that right? Wow, hundred million. million, hundred million didn't really hit me. So maybe Shota's not even making that much money. If this guy was willing to give away a hundred million, Shota's ten years seven seven hundred million. I like think a pretty good chunk out of his out of his entire contract. Ah, uh, he should make more. Um, all right, so that's good. So she's gone. Whatever. Again, Donald Trump went to pen. No one, no one ever asked him about that. He's like the it's like the he's the great shame of the Ivy League. That's <laughs> uh, great. So uh don't go thinking for one second that anything's been solved. This is very similar to the Mayorkas impeachment. It's one of the claims that some of the Republicans made. Oh, you get rid of there there's be someone just as bad right behind him. It's true and it's true here too the rot is still here at our top schools and it is deep not just the top ones all of them there's there's just not enough conservatives in higher education to, to fix anything just, they're not there they're literally not there conservatives on harvard what percentage of harvard faculty is conservative do you think what percentage of the harvard faculty One point four three percent self-identify as conservative. I think it's point four. I know it's one. It's one point something. So that's like two people, <laughs> maybe three. Maybe there's three conservatives on campus. All right. So like, and one of those three is not going to become the new president. So it's just the rot is deep. Uh, this is Gad sad. He said, well, I understand the desire to have the presidents of these schools resign or be fired as a result of their outrageous testimony. In a sense, this is a small and insignificant outcome. The parasitic ideas that led to their grotesque testimony have been festering in academia for decades and have fully choked the larger culture. Getting rid of one administrator will simply result in another equally cowardly and lobotomized leader taking over. There is a long conveyor belt of such academic administrators. That's the right line. It's a conveyor belt. The battle can only be won on the ideological battlefields. In the same way that Lysenkoism or bloodletting are rejected ideas, the same must occur for all of the idea pathogens that define woke progressive ideology. Uh, Lysenkoism. Have we talked about Lysenkoism? Or do we have to save that one for another day? that opening segment was very long let's say we'll save lysenkoism we'll talk about it tomorrow but it's just it's one of these ideas that uh, like eventually after the death of i don't know 40 million people 40 million people quote following the science died because of lysenkoism and bloodletting that's how george washington died he was sick and they're like let's get rid of his blood Let's drain out his blood, and that didn't work. So, like, hire another doctor. So they brought another doctor, and the doctor's like, "We gotta drain more blood," and they just kept doing that. He had no more blood. So, yeah, listen, get rid of the, get rid of her because she deserves accountability. But don't think that it is solved. We read this last week. This is Jason Hill. He's a, a philosophy professor. Someone wrote, uh, this uh, after the hearing, someone said academia, the day academia died. He's like, no, no, no. no. He I said, as an academic philosophy professor of 26 years, I can say academia is not dead. The universities, as I've written several times, are living, breathing national security threats that function as indoctrination centers and bastions for nihilistic activities whose twin goals are the destruction of the U.S. Republic and of Western civilization. They are breeding grounds for enemies of the state. They are beyond reform. One deals with them the way one deals logically with any national security threat. Today was not, and that's how you have to view these universities, the national security threat. People are worried that Trump's an existential threat to America. No, the university system is. And that's their point. Just like Black Lives Matter, the point of it is to destroy the church and destroy the country. It's not, I just speak, Black Lives Matter, their point is not to destroy the nuclear family and oh christians believe in the nuclear family that affects the church no no the point is to destroy the church one way to do that is to destroy the nuclear family for example uh t- today was not the day academia died today was the day the world saw the rot and moral corruption and evil that has been festering for decades in our nation's institutions for higher learning so that sense academia is not dead it's never been more alive it's never been more alive for what it does. It's never been more effective at what it does. The the just the the, the ultimate example of its demise is that our, our the Ivy League schools, at least, started out as seminaries. See, this is this is the second law of thermodynamics: is that unless acted upon by an outside force, uh, it, it will the thing will break down entropy. I think will break down over time. Anything breaks down over time. And it's true with everything, unless you have an outside force that actively holds it up and improves and fixes and makes better. And our the Ivy League schools were seminaries. The, mod, the my college motto is light and truth in Hebrew. Harvard's motto is as truth veritas. So look, look at how fun, like, like, like that, what universities were first dedicated to has been long dead. They were seminaries. My dorm room was right next to the college chapel. Like, like there's a wall between us. It was right next to the college chapel. And it was, they, they like, it was it was, it was, it was right before I got there. They, uh, they it was no longer a church. Like we totally got rid of all even pretense of a domination affiliated with it in any way whatsoever. So they like, they could do anything there. There's like like uh, like like Wiccan uh, trances or whatever. I don't know. They do whatever nonsense you could do. There was right? So this thing started as a church, as a real church for like a seminary church, and it's a completely hollowed out to do whatever environmental Wiccan whatever they do there now and that's what they want to do to this country do you not see this that's what they want for this oh i should do i'm do a segment on it all right what's what going to do i'm gonna do a segment on the chapel the university chapel and what it was its original intent what used to take place there as this as a metaphor for america and how it's been been completely gutted but in the name of in the name of love in the name of empathy, even in the name of Christian values and Christian virtues, been completely in, in, invaded and gutted of all meaning, it still stands, still there, still beautiful. It's a beautiful chapel, not a chapel anymore. I don't know what they call it. It has a look, but in the inside, it is, it is just Bones. And that is what they want for this country. They were able to do it on the college chapel because that was completely within their control. But it's not enough, obviously. They need to go do it to the rest of the country. They need to do it to the country. That's it. And we are going to let them. 866-95-PATRIOT. Anyway, president of UPenn resigned. And Stephanie. she said, uh, one down, two to go. Again, it's a conveyor belt of these people. The rot is indeed very deep. Uh, and and I guess to tie it into my Black Lives Matter point, the rot is deep and the point. There's a memo that just came out of, of the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay is her name. And before she was the president of Harvard, she was the dean of the um, arts and sciences department or whatever. And she wrote a memo in 2020 outlining exactly what she's doing. This is it. This is, this is like pr- they proudly do this. There's nothing insidious about it. It is, it just is. They're out in the open about it. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Uh, I, I wanted to get a legal perspective of what exactly is going on with Hunter Biden. We hear the headlines, but what's really going on? I'm not a lawyer, but I like to f- really have a good idea of what's happening and why it's happening what the timeline of it happening. Here's Doug Burns to tell us about it. Former assistant U.S. attorney in the criminal division. We can talk about the latest with Hunter Biden and get all the legal aspects of this stuff that makes sense of it all. Mr. Burns, how are you, sir?
1: Good. Please call me Doug.
0: I'll do it. Uh, It says on your Twitter bio that you are a former college tennis player. I was just thinking the other day, do you and other tennis players uh, bemoan the, the, uh, the fall of tennis and its replacement with pickleball?
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that, because we're involved a little bit with the uh, John McEnroe Tennis Academy in Randall's Island, New York, and then John was in this big pickleball exhibition and all that stuff. So, yeah, I've never stepped on a pickleball court. Wow, Um, like it's a matter of
0: principle. Yeah, it's not
1: any, like, angry thing, but at the same time, I'm a purist. I'm used to hitting the ball off the strings, obviously, not off a wood. And, uh, you know, (laughs) you can't yeah no, and you can't close the net because they have this kitchen area, and it, you, you can't go forward, and you know we've been going forward for fifty years to close volleys, you know technical stuff, so nothing really against it, but I just don't play it
0: well i I feel like a tennis player is allowed to look down upon the pickleball player. I think that well, I get I appreciate that. that no yeah no I could see it. you're allowed because like you know these got you're not you don't really run in pickleball <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you don't swing or run or you know. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. Like no, no. I
1: mean, again, you know, Johnny Mack himself, you know, legendary. Yeah, he sold kind of out. Figure, originally said, you know, it's for people who aren't athletes, and he caught a lot of <laughs> blowback about that. By the way,
0: that's great. Yeah. All right, so Hunter Biden, take us back to the original plea deal that fell apart. We, I think, we got to understand that part of it, right?
1: Sure. No, it's very important actually to understand that. And, you know, I've been in the trenches for years and years and years, so I really know where I speak on this particular one. Here's the deal. Usually in a plea agreement, it says the defendant, uh, Joe Smith, you know, hypothetical, will plead guilty to robbing a bank on May 10th, you know, 2016. And then it says what we call an immunization clause, Mike. And it says in return for the plea, no further charges will be brought. And it's usually very, very, very narrow. It'll say four any bank robbery activity in the month of august of 2016 and that's the end of it and most importantly for the listeners this is key it's in the plea agreement itself okay what happened in the hunter biden matter was he was going to plead guilty uh... to misdemeanor level charges and they tucked a very 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 broad immunization clause in a separate document and it basically said and i'm not even being sarcastic here mike He will not be charged, you know, for any conduct, period, for a very wide-open period of time. You know, as I jokingly told a friend of mine the other day, you know, from 550 B.C. to the present, and, you know, my friend laughed, but the point is it was way too broad, and everybody like me who's in this business said, wait a minute, that's way too lenient, and it seems like the government and the defense are sort of working together. They have it in this side uh, non-prosecution agreement with respect to the gun count, and Interestingly enough, the judge caught it, and she said, wait a minute, what's this doing over here, and why is this so broad, and does this, does this mean that you cannot charge them, for example, with Foreign Agent Registration Act violations, and the thing just blew up. So what people don't understand because of heavy, heavy, heavy mainstream media you know, spins, you know, talk about tennis, more spins than at Wimble (laughs) than Mike. The point is this thing blew up because the judge caught them trying to pull a fast one on them. Okay. That's what happened.
0: Very good. So why would the prosecutors have gone with that, written up that original plea deal?
1: No, I mean, you can speculate all day long. You're talking a legal discussion and a political one. It was, you know, a massive sort of sweetheart deal. Oh, why would they have done it um, to, I guess, you know, it's it's. Uh, reluctant to, you know, go over the skis and use the word flat-out corrupt, but, you know, subliminally, you know, giving a sweetheart deal to the son of the president of the United States of America. You know, another inside baseball thing is, you know, in all my travels and years and years and years, people are human beings, and when a defendant, you know, has some celebrity connection, we won't use this one. Oh, did you realize that this guy is, you know, that singing superstars stepson, you know, people are human beings. And I think that translated into it a little bit. I think to be fair also, maybe, you know, the guy was, you know, heavily addicted to drugs, so maybe they're cutting him a little slack. It's hard to say. But it was a okay. sweetheart deal, Mike. That's okay. the point.
0: Now it's not though. So what's up with this latest? Why did it come back up and it's so much harsher this time?
1: Great question. And here's the reason. Number one, um, you know, Merrick Garland and everybody were trying to tell um, Americans that this this lawyer, Weiss, he had the authority to bring those cases in Washington, D.C. and in California, you know, this one specifically. He had all the authority he needed. That was not true, okay, um, because it then later emerged in congressional testimony that when he tried to work with Uh, prosecutors in other districts, they used, you know, a really heavy duty euphemism. Oh, we didn't really want to partner with him. I mean, that was ridiculous. They basically, the DOJ did not, uh, they were covering uh, for Biden and and Weiss did not have the authority. But the outcry became so intense because uh, I like to think that at least somebody listened to some conservative legal experts and they realized what had taken place and then Weiss asked to be named special counsel. I had said sarcastically over and over and over, asked sarcastically in media segments, well, wait a minute, if he had unfettered authority, uh, as Merrick Garland told us, then why would you have to give him a new title of special counsel? And that was because he didn't have authority. So to answer your question, finally, which I'm not dodging, number one, the narrative that you have two tiered justice started to resonate in my view, and I'm not a political expert, uh, but you, see, you know what I'm saying? That narrative really started baking in, and people were saying, well, wait a minute. You indicted Trump four times. I just saw this guy, Doug Burns, on a media segment, and he said even John Gotti wasn't indicted four times, and that he, Doug Burns, never saw anybody indicted four times in four different places at once in 38 years of being a federal prosecutor and a defense lawyer. Um, And it started resonating and something had to give. But then comes the counter volley across the net, which is that they're also helping the Bidens with this. Seriously. And I'm sure you know where I'm going, right? I don't. Okay, good. They're helping them in two ways. Way number one was that congressional testimony Oversight testimony was heating up, and Hunter Biden was—I I think I'm confident in using the past tense, but we'll see. It's only Monday—was supposed to testify Wednesday, December 13th. Um, his lawyer, Abby Lowell, you know, a very good lawyer, um, but in a very tough uh, you know, box with the arguments he has to make, he was insisting that it be public— and Congress, the, the committee said, no, the way we do it is the deposition first is private. Then we'll afford you a chance to do it publicly. And they were going back and forth. But by virtue of this indictment, Mike, this is key. Now, Hunter Biden gets to say, well, wait a minute, I'm under indictment in a significant tax case. And I'm going to de- be declining to answer on the grounds of the Fifth Amendment. Um, You know, the normal blowback without an indictment is, oh, my God, this guy took the fifth. You know, that can damage him. But here he's under indictment, so he's taking the fifth. That's it. So this has the effect of allowing him uh, to not have to testify. And then in terms of, you know, cable hysteria and everything, you know, one side on the farther right, we'll call it a saying, they did that on purpose to provide him that cover. And then the other side, and that's not true, the other side says, No, they didn't take that into account at all. That's not true. The truth is in the middle in criminal law, and I think you'll like this. Mike, when a defendant comes to my office and tells me the version of events and so forth, and then I get on the phone with the prosecutor, we will often quip in the conference room, yeah, guys, there's three versions, the version from the prosecutor that we just heard, the version from the defense, and the truth, because advocates by nature, you know, they aggressively state their position. So that was one point. But the next point, before I forget where it helps is that the, and you know, Jonathan Turley is a very well known legal uh, commentator, obviously, a professor of law down in the D.C. area, and he wrote an article saying that um, this indictment was extremely carefully tailored to make sure that, you know, Joe Biden wasn't in it, um, and, you know, really carefully staying away from any potential links that he might have to this whole sordid affair, and so on. So, those are the two, to recap it, two ways that DOJ is actually helping the Bidens.
0: What are the charges right now against Hunter?
1: Okay, it's a nine count indictment, and three of the charges are misdemeanors. Real quick, without a whole lengthy pontification under the tax, criminal tax laws, if you simply fail to file your tax return, that's a misdemeanor. And if you simply fail to pay the tax that you owe, that's a misdemeanor. theoretical underpinning real quick is that, hey, you haven't really you know, done anything wrong on the calculation of your taxes. You just didn't file and you didn't pay. So there are three counts of that. I think like two of them are failure to file and one is failure to pay. doesn't really matter. It's the same penalties and so on. And is that, that
0: kind of common? Can't. Does that kind of happen quite a bit? It's like, oh, oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah no question about it, Mike. Um, we call them failure to file cases. And, you know, like, again, the X's and O's, the shop talk in the offices. Oh, wow, they're going to give him the 7203. Great. You know, 7203 is that misdemeanor. Um, so that's a big plea bargaining discussion, Chip. It's like, look, he's not a big guy. Blah, blah, blah. You know, could you give him the misdemeanor, yeah. et cetera. So you have three of those. Those are zero to one year each. Um, and there's uh, six of them, so the exposure is zero to six years. But
0: a normal three... person, like I, I feel like I don't know if I said something I feel like it's possible that I could see myself forgetting to press the submit button on my taxes one year.
1: Yeah, but but that's a great hypothetical. So thank you for raising that because the point is, in that situation, if it really were shown that you know you were ready to go and you were going to file it, um, you know they would listen to that with you know with a fair. Assessment, but the point is, most failure to file uh, to your hypothetical are, you know, like multiple years, you know, five, six years the guy didn't file the returns, this and that. And then with maybe a little evidence of that it was intentional as opposed to your hypo of not hitting the button, but you're right. Then moving forward, there are uh, three uh, felony counts in addition to the six misdemeanors. And you have, you know, felony tax evasion, which is taking steps uh, to avoid. Taxes, you know, for the home researchers, it's 26, United States Code 7201. That's a tax evasion. 7203, as I said a minute ago, is failure to file. And, you know, those carry penalties of zero to five. And then you have a – that's one count. And then there are a couple counts of uh, filing a materially false return, and that's zero to three years. Anything that is punishable, ABLE, by more than a year is a felony. So the zero to threes are felonies. The zero to five are felonies, et cetera.
0: Okay. Uh, First of all, how do you guys remember these numbers? I someone asked me, I had to to fill out my Social Security number. My. Full Social Security number. And it took me a good minute to figure out my first three numbers. It would probably
1: take me longer than that. The only reason I know the 7201 and 03, it's just baked in from 30 years of doing tax cases. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. You would have no trouble keeping score with Pickleball. Very tricky to keep score, Doug. You know, know, you're going
1: to. End up getting me out on the pickleball court, and I'm going to tell everybody seriously that it was Mike Slater seriously, and, you be like, and he's the guy he, who got me into pickleball. He said I couldn't. It, figure it'll out be the, either good or bad, Mike. He
0: said I, Slater said I couldn't figure out how the scoring works, so I had to go out there. That's, and yes, the
1: but um, Slater said that I'll get used to hitting the ball <laughs> off the wood, and I won't mind <laughs> the little wood. kitchen area so oh, much as dicks, you think. Yeah, the other. Um,
0: all right. So, do you? Would a normal person in this situation, who's not the president's son, see any jail time for this?
1: Good question. Um, and it allows me to debunk something real quick, which everybody knows anyway. Uh, for some reason, the media—I'm <clears throat> not criticizing them. It's you know, it makes it more salacious. They add up the total exposure. In this case, 17. When you add up the threes and the five and the ones, <laughs> the six ones, the three, um, and they—he faces 17 years, and everybody's foaming at the mouth. Let me answer your very good question. We have a. Uh, a set of rules and guidelines called the United States Sentencing Guidelines. I know you know that, but maybe the listeners don't. And what you do is, for whatever fence, offense involved, you calculate a range. Um, it's advisory, the judge doesn't have to follow it. It comes within the zero to five years, by the way. And if you look at the guidelines book, as I did, um, a million four in taxes comes out with a range advisory range of sentencing in the vicinity of about three to four years, maybe three to five uh-huh. years, right in there. So the judge would look at that, you know, in, a, in an advisory, you know, capacity. Yeah, the judge can give him probation, can give him three or four years. The money was paid back, which is another, you know, cluster, you, know, you fill in the blank, because, yeah. you know, those who are defending him, you know, somewhat ignorantly. The money was paid back. It's ridiculous. No one ever gets charged in that situation. That's not really true. But it's definitely a mitigating factor. Yeah. However, Doug, here...
0: Hey, we got to run. I'm sorry. We got to run. Oh, oh, good. Oh, we got to end on a however here. We covered a lot, Mike. All right, we'll do it again. Doug Burns, I appreciate you. Uh, former U.S. assistant, uh, U.S. Uh, attorney in the criminal division. Doug Burns Law on the Twitter. Doug Burns Law. Follow him there. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word.
1: Made. I got
0: American parts. I Thanks for listening to Bipart News Daily. The last hour of the show, we talked about Satan clubs in schools and on uh, it's in the Iowa State House. There's a big Satan display. And I wasn't really talking about Satan clubs and stuff, but it was just the point of can we just draw some lines? Are we, or no? Is it just it's a total free for all? Okay, great. All right, so I got a bunch of emails and people were mad at me for wanting to draw some lines. So I think we need to, uh, I need to do a better job perhaps of articulating this and making this point. So we'll do some more of that tomorrow. And you can listen to the whole thing, the whole show on SiriusXM. Become a subscriber. You can listen to the whole show, SiriusXM, Patreon. I'm excited. Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word.